It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Okay, uh, welcome in everybody. It is the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game, 94.3thegame.com, IBX Media app, and all of our uh, related uh, spots where we stream video uh, today. And uh, welcome in. Nice to have you along. We've got uh, a big show for you here on this Wednesday. John Gilbert, ECU Director of Athletics, is about to join us in a few minutes. Got a lot to uh, cover with uh, him, so looking forward to have uh, having John Gilbert on the program. Philip the Ref Pilkington producing. He'll have an update later on as well. Pilk with uh, uh, what's going on around the world. Oh, sports. Lots of basketball, some football news, of course, with the Super Bowl coming up. Let's give you the schedule, though, for the next couple of days. Uh, tomorrow, Joe Sampson's going to be with us uh, talking uh, the uh, Super Bowl. And uh, then we'll have Joe Ovius on from the OG podcast. Uh, Joe, of course, for years, uh, one of the hosts on 99.9 The Fan. That ended last year. And uh, Joe and our friend Joe Giglio now uh, have their podcast on uh, the OG Podcast Network. So they distribute that uh, in various spots like we do our podcast of our programming. Uh, so, uh, you can, uh, check that out. We'll, uh, it's a first ever. It's the first time Joe's been, uh, certainly on my show and I believe the station. So, uh, it, you know, as a, as a guest, at least it's been a long, long time. So I'm looking forward to talking to Joe Ovius tomorrow, uh, about that. Uh, Wednesday, Terrence Copper, who played, uh, of course, for the Pirates and, uh, in his NFL career played with, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs will be, uh, on with us to talk about, uh, the Super Bowl. Brian Mull talking uh, hoops, and uh, who knows what other surprises we will have uh, for you on uh, Friday. Okay, let's uh, take a break because I want to get right to John Gilbert here. We've got him lined up, so uh, we'll return. John Gilbert will be with us for the next several minutes right here on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. You ready for this? Oh, I'm very ready. Okay, ready? You ready? Streaming to the world at 943thegame.com. This is the Patrick Johnson Show. Now in all his glory, here's the P-Man. We are back, and thanks for being with us today. We're talking to John Gilbert, ECU Director of Athletics. First time in the new year that we've had a chance to talk with uh, John on the air. And uh, other than our football pregame, this may be one of our first times we've talked to him in the new uh, sports season. I'm not sure, but uh, we have him now. So we welcome John Gilbert, ECU Director of Athletics. Uh, John, always great to talk to you. Uh, a personal note, I know you had uh, a family tragedy in the last month, and uh, I certainly uh, wish you uh, and your family the very best and uh, offer condolences to you. Well, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. So um, let's just start with, because you can imagine, we've got a lot of questions folks want me to ask you. Uh, but let's start with uh, just kind of the the overall state of athletics right now. Well, it, it's one, you, you know, I feel good about the general direction of our department. Uh, it, it is uh, very stable uh, w- with regard to a lot of things. Uh, certainly uh, our fundraising is doing exceptionally well. I'm really pleased with uh, the Pirate Club and everything in, involved with uh, the fundraising piece. Uh, I, I would like us to be a lot more competitive than what we are. Um, 
you, you know, certainly uh, w- would like to, uh, I, I want to win, and, and I want to win at a high level. Um, and we're going to continue to, to work uh, to, to make sure that that's a reality. Uh, I was pleased in the fall, uh, obviously, with uh, soccer, volleyball, um, you, you know, uh, women's basketball, uh, you, you know, uh, right about where we thought we would be. Men's basketball would certainly like to have, you know, won more games than, than what we've won thus far. But I do believe in, in Coach Schwartz and uh, the, the direction and the culture. And, you know, we're just going to have to, you know, continue to work on getting better and continue to uh, invest in our programs. And then certainly I'm excited about, uh, you know, over the next two weeks we've got lacrosse starting uh indoor track is going uh really well uh baseball about to get started so you know everybody thinks the fall is the busiest time of the year but it it really um you know february march uh and the first part of april is really the busiest time there's pretty much an athletic event uh every night of the week you still try to attend as many as possible. I, I know, obviously, you have other obligations, but you know, in some of these uh, spring sports, for example, how many events do you try to make at each sport? Uh, it seems like you you value being visible at a lot of these events. Well, well, I think it's important to to go to quite a bit. I mean, obviously, uh, the more visible you are, uh, both for student athletes and fans. You know, I love the interaction. I love to hear from our fan base, um, you know, what, what's near and dear to them, what's important. Uh, so, so I do think it's important to be visible at athletic events. You talked about uh, basketball needing, uh, or not needing, but wishing they'd had more victories. And certainly I think Coach Swartz set up a schedule, uh, had the team, you know, maybe caught a few breaks, not had some injuries early on, maybe would have a little better mark uh, overall. What is, I don't want to say what needs to be done to fix ECU basketball, because that's, you know, the thing fans say a lot. And I, and I do think Coach Schwartz has done a, a really uh, superb job. Uh, and, and resources are being put into the program. But, but to get this to a program that could compete, because basketball is a sport where it would seem like you, you aren't as many players away from being able to really compete. I mean, it's difficult, but it's not maybe – you don't have to have a huge roster turnaround necessarily. A couple players can make a difference, I guess, is what I'm, I'm getting at. So what, what will it take in your estimation to get basketball over you know, the hump where it's a winning program and not a 500 program or less? Yeah, well, well I do think we're close. Uh, I, I think the more that we can invest – uh, both from an infrastructure standpoint, uh, obviously in the new look NCA NIL is going to be important as we move forward. But I, I think the biggest thing for, for ECU basketball, men's basketball in particular, is we, we've got to overcome our, you know, preconceived perceptions of the program. And I, I, I don't mean internally. I, I just think you know, we need to have some success where outwardly, you know, people see that ECU can can win in basketball. And and I firmly believe we have everything that we need to to have a successful program. Um, 
we can do it here. And uh, I believe that. I believe Coach Schwartz can do it. Uh, we, we just got to continue to work on getting better. We're talking uh, with ECU Director of Athletics, John Gilbert. So you are comfortable with the level, uh, you know, as it is right now. Obviously, coaches always want a little more. But, you, but you're pretty comfortable with the level of, of commitment at this point to, as far as resource, money, that sort of thing to basketball. Obviously acknowledging things could always be better, but, but you know, given the realities. Well, well, I think you have to continue to invest. Um, th- that's important. You know, there are more things that I want to do to Minji's. Uh, I, I'd love to, you know, put chairback seats in the entire lower bowl. Um so, so I don't think we're ever going to stop investing in uh, our basketball infrastructure. Uh, we, we do need to continue to figure out the NIL landscape because it is a reality that we're all having to deal with. Uh, but, but I do think that uh, we have what we need to be successful. I know there's only so much uh, you're able or, or wanting to say about NIL, but do you feel like uh, that that has maybe started to resonate with with fans as to the importance of being competitive in that space. Well, well I clearly ha- have been an advocate for NIL since its inception. You know, uh, and, and if you look across the country and, and see what's going on as it relates to the transfer portal and NIL, it, it is a piece of the game that we have to deal with now. So. I want to be proactive in dealing with that. I want to continue to advocate uh, for NIL and opportunities for our student-athletes. We're we're only as good as the type of players that, you know, we can attract to ECU, and so I do think it is an important piece. We're talking to uh, ECU Director of Athletics, John Gilbert. He joins us here on the Patrick Johnson Show today with uh, the NCAA toying with the idea of kind of a, you know, a salary structure uh, in addition to NIL. I mean, that seems problematic for the American, a lot of the institutions. Seems problematic for a lot of Power Five institutions also. You know, everybody is making a big deal about it, and and I think at some point it it will become real. I I think it was merely a starting point by uh, Charlie Baker, the new NCA president. He he was, you know, putting something out that people could respond to, to you know, try to advocate on behalf of a, a new model. But but I do think this what 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 is being proposed. You know, there are a lot of schools uh, in the ACC and SEC that could not afford to do what's being proposed. But I think it's just that. It's a proposal. It's a starting point uh, to get people to, to start talking about what a new model would look like. The American, uh, and we'll talk about some of the schools in the American, but the American is, is going to have a new commissioner. What are you looking for? Uh, in a new leader of the conference, given these sort of uncertain times? Well, I think, number one, Mike Oresco has done a really good job on behalf of the American Athletic Conference. He, he has been a vocal advocate uh, for us um, across a lot of platforms. And so 
I think one for me is someone that is well connected within our industry, uh, someone with a uh, deep level of contacts throughout uh, intercollegiate athletics and, and the TV world, um, I think is going to be a really important piece and, and certainly someone that is, is willing to advocate on behalf of the league uh, in the same manner Mike Oresco did. You know, we have had a lot of questions. A guy, uh, one of our listeners, John Moody, sent this uh, in, uh, you know, a question about, you know, some more with the addition of the Conference USA teams in the offseason, some more drivable rivalries for, I think, really a good majority of teams in in, in the American that we're currently in the American. Uh, Charlotte would be that for East Carolina. Would you like to see in football that game be played that last weekend, or do you think because of the challenges of kids going or the students going home for Thanksgiving and the holiday, it doesn't make sense to right now maybe put these rivalries and drivable games for for not only ECU Charlotte but other teams in the American on that date? Would you rather see it maybe have more of a float and, and maybe be a uh, you know a late September October early November option? You know, every year when, and, and I hope that within the next week to 10 days, we'll, we'll get a, a draft of what our conference schedule will be like that we can put out, uh, you know, quickly to the public. And, and every year I, I, I request two things from uh, the American is one, to make sure that we're either have a by, uh, by week or on the road during fall break. Uh, to make sure that we're not playing a home game on fall break. And, and recently, the last two years, I've also advocated us for us to be on the road uh, during Thanksgiving uh, weekend. It is a very difficult uh, time to get people to come to the game. We had, um, you know, top four or five team in the country in Cincinnati that came here one Thanksgiving, and it was really difficult to get uh, a lot of people to come to that game. Uh, and, and so I like playing uh, any rivalry game. I like playing it earlier in the year where students can be on campus and it's a more traditional date. Is you know Charlotte's had some success on court, on field against ECU this year. Uh, it would seem like that their uh, entree into the uh, the level of the American would benefit them in time. I mean, they're getting more television money than they were in their prior uh, stop. Uh, is there concern that in-state, you know, there's a measuring stick now and, and that, uh, you know, those recruiting battles may, may tilt one way uh, rather than the other? Well, well, I think uh, cer- certainly we, we uh, work and live in a world where there's a scoreboard in, in every one of our venues, so you know what the outcome of the game is. Uh, same thing with recruiting. You know, um, de- depending on what school you're going on head-to-head with a player uh, is is really important, but, but I also go back to NIL and you know, there are some schools that have more NIL money than others. And sometimes that plays a factor on whether you're going to attract a particular student athlete or not. Uh, I still feel really good about where ECU is uh, in that landscape. We, we've we got a great collective and uh, team boneyard that 
provide a number of uh, NIL opportunities. And we have a bunch of individuals uh, and businesses in town that provide NIL opportunities. Uh, But but that's going to be an important piece moving forward is, uh, you know, continue to evaluate the right talent and then make sure that we're providing them with the very best we can, you know, to attract them to Greenville. John Gilbert is the East Carolina University Director of Athletics. So, uh, as you know, Stephen Igo and I are working on the uh, Coaches Show this year, and we're going to be doing the weekly Cliff Godwin interview in tandem. And a lot of that is because I provide the sizzle, and he's the stink. You know, he's the real brains of the uh, operation. I'm just the pretty face, John. Uh, But I I have to wonder, uh, because I asked Stephen, what's a good thing, if you could ask John something today, what would it be? And, And he wanted to know, you know where ECU ranks now in the athletic budget compared to the rest of the American, uh, particularly in football, basketball, and baseball. Well, if I you know re- reverse that, I would say baseball. We're clearly number one uh, by a lot uh, from a funding standpoint, and then uh, basketball and football. You know, out of 14 schools, we're, we're probably right in that middle third, um, you know, five, six, seven, so, somewhere in there uh, fr- from a funding standpoint in those two sports. Do you consider uh, that when, when coming up with or that parameter when, when, you know, evaluating success on the field or success of a program? Well, certainly it plays a factor, but, but again, the, the, the misnomer on all this is, you know, we could, we could be better funded, uh, you know, operationally than other schools or have a better facility, but they could, they could be better than us in NIL money. And, you know, that plays a factor on, on where these student athletes are, are going. So, uh, it, I wouldn't call the, the salary operational metric a end all be all. I, I think the NIL piece, um, it yeah. is a bit of an unknown that, that can, can help or hinder an institution. And, and the, the reality is on NIL, uh, you know, there's some truths out there about what some players are getting, but there's also uh, there, there's quite a few stories being told on it as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, John, let me ask you about you, you mentioned the portal that kind of goes hand in hand with NIL. There's a real uh, push, a real desire, I think, from uh, college football coaches, administrators, uh, fans in particular, that it, it needs the college season needs to sort of be handled like the NFL. There's no movement of coaches or players until it is complete. This obviously affects postseason, bowl season significantly. Is that doable, and should it be implemented in some form? Well, I, I think the the calendar needs looking at uh, in, in a very significant way. Uh, if you just use football as the example, it, it is pretty much year-round. Uh, there, there is very little downtime, and, and I think anything that we could do to restructure the calendar uh, would, would be a, a very positive thing on, on many fronts. You know, when I first started in athletics, 
student athletes went home in May and they didn't come back to August. And, and now uh, our student athletes are here year, year round. You can work out with them almost year round. Uh, and, and then the recruiting calendar that there, there are very, very few weekends off for a coach, uh, on the division one level. Yeah. It, you, you got to really love doing it because you, you are getting little to no free time. Would you like to see maybe that early signing day and, and the signing day, which is, I guess, today? Uh, maybe be more of a January. So would that make sense for football to have it more of a January sort of thing? Well, I, I think just practically speaking, that would be a positive. Now, what you don't realize is, you know, any mid-year that, that transfers, they would have a really hard time transferring into a new institution if you waited that late. ECU, for instance, you know, we, we started class this year on January 8th. So there is very little time, you know, to to allow student athletes to go in the portal football wise and get them admitted and enrolled at ECU. So it's a very uh, delicate dynamic that you have to manage. We're talking to ECU Director of Athletics John Gilbert. He joins us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. So my uh, other question, I guess, uh, with, with football, since we're, we're sort of uh, into those. Uh, waters now the expanded conference or the expanded playoff how does that uh, benefit the american and could you see uh, the american and maybe similar or like teams maybe a pair of them get into the playoffs is that realistic well well i think it is realistic um in, in that you, you know there'll be five uh, automatic qualifiers and seven at larges uh m- moving forward so I clearly think there is a pathway for the ECUs of the world uh, to, to make it into the playoff. Obviously, we've got to take care of our own business on the field. Uh, but as opposed to, to years past, there is a clear pathway uh, for the ECUs of the world to make the, the CFP playoff. John, um do you fear that it's going to be, though, the SEC and the Big Ten taking up all of those spots, uh, you know, in the playoff, those at-large spots? Well, I, I would say that, it, and they probably think that they're going to take all, all of the seven, uh, at, at-large spots. Um, you, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to watch. You know, the first-round games of the playoff are going to be on a college campus for the first time uh, ever. And so I think you're going to see some intriguing matchups. And I do think with the expanded playoff, you you will see, given the number of games, you will see some upsets along the way. Yeah. And and, and Um, I do think it's conceivable. You know, I I could see, uh, you know, uh, nine and three uh, team winning the national championship. You know, yeah. a team that gets hot at the end. I mean, right. that, that certainly w- could happen. Yeah, and, and that's what it'll, it'll mirror a lot of other sports in that regard. Um, interesting. Um, John Gilbert is with us here. You talked about uh, in the post football season press conference that, that Coach Houston was in and you were in that. You know, a bowl game is kind of the mark of, of success for 
I guess this upcoming season. Obviously, you want to aspire to to more than just bowl qualification. Uh, but is that at minimum kind of your expectation of next season following you know what was a really tough two win campaign? Well, I, I never like to put a number of wins uh, on a, a team. Um, I, I don't believe in that. You know, there, there are too many things that happen throughout the year where uh, you, you say, hey, you know, you, you need to win X in order uh, for it to be a success because there are too many unknowns as you, uh, as you go into the season. I do think just my general expectation for ECU every year is that we are in a bowl game. I do think that's achievable. Um, we've got a great football tradition. Uh, l- last year, I'm hoping, was an anomaly. You know, we went to two uh, bowl games back to back, and and then you know last year turned out not not in the the direction that we wanted. Uh, but but I do feel confident confident we'll be back to our winning ways next year is there uh, and i know you're not necessarily meddling in the day-to-day of football and and, i mean you're supporting it but it's not anything that you are uh you know sticking your head in the doors of the meetings kind of thing and i know you talk to coach houston especially in season frequently multiple times a day in some cases but at least at least once a day but have you with the offense did you express concern, uh, frustration, or, or did Coach Houston realize it enough and you were more of the sounding board uh, in that and just gave input? How, how did that dynamic sort of sort of play out? Because, I mean, in, in a sense, you're, you're like the rest of us, fans, a fan, and, you know, anybody could tell that it just wasn't clicking last year. Well, I'd say one thing. I, I, I don't consider myself a fan. I mean, obviously, I want us to to win and I'm very involved with it. Uh, but I do, you know, look at my position from a leadership role where, sure. you know, I make, I make my decisions based on, you know, the information that I have. But obviously I watch, you know, the games like everyone else and, and, uh, I, I, you know, see certain things. But, but I don't, you know, Coach Houston and I talk often, um, you know, I believe it's the job of an, an athletic director to, to hire head coaches and then let them run their program. Uh, obviously, if there are any, you know, concerns within the program, you would address those with the coach head on. Uh, but Co- Coach Houston and I have a very good working relationship. Um, you know, I don't uh, cross the boundary of getting into the, you know, day-to-day operations of, what goes on in the program? Obviously, right. I'm aware of what goes on, and um, but but I feel good about the direction that we're heading in, and I I feel good about the changes that that coach made in the off season, uh, and some of the players that they've attracted, coupled with you know the returners uh, to to make this a football program that we can all be proud of because that's what everybody wants. So among the questions that uh, you know that have been sent in, uh, you can imagine what one of them is. It uh, centers around scheduling for football and uh, yeah. the uh, you know, the non-conference uh, schedule. The uh, home and home series was announced with Coastal. I you know I don't mind these regional games. I mean I think there's appeal in. It's just funny some of the things that fans get their uh, be in their bonnet over. 
and they want more regional game. Well, you've scheduled a regional opponent and one that's had some success on the field uh, over the last several years. One that's one that is quite drivable. In fact, I would even say there's a lot of fans in that general fifty mile, hundred mile radius of, of Conway. Um, yeah. Particularly in southeastern North Carolina, even in Myrtle Beach, a lot of pirates in Myrtle Beach. So, you know, I would think that there is a an opportunity to kind of continue to do that. But there is a brand name itis that probably does still exist out there in some people's minds. Well, I, I, scheduling is extremely difficult. It, it is something that you you know I look at every day, uh, and and I, I, I can't stress this enough. We ask to play a lot of people, um, you, you know, whether that's home and home or, um, you know, I've talked to quite a few schools over the last several weeks about playing a, a buy or guarantee game at their place. And, you know, they're they're turning us down. Uh, they're, they're not interested in playing us. And, and it's really twofold. Um, but But I think the primary reason is you know, the history of our program, you know, right. And, and I remind them, Hey, we, we went two and 10 last year. Like we're not <laughs> you know, the 85 bears uh, coming right. to play. And they're like, no, but, but we know, we know the history and we know you can rebound. And by the time you play us, you'll be, you'll be good again. We're, we're not interested. And so it makes scheduling very, very difficult. Uh, we get a lot of no's. We keep asking, uh, and, and try to set up the games uh, that w- one our fans are interested in. Um, you, you know, I think it's important to to play uh, a competitive schedule. But I'd also say this: I don't want to schedule four conference game or four non-conference games where we're an underdog in three of them. I, I don't think that benefits. Uh, the program either. I, th- I think you've got to find a balance there. Um, so continue to work on scheduling. I do think over the next several years, we do have a very competitive schedule mm-hmm. and, and some areas where we need to add a few games. Uh, some of the spots, too, right now would, would seem to be one where you would maybe schedule an FCS-level opponent, and that's a little more year-to-year. How far out, though, for the FBS opponents are, are we looking at scheduling right now and, and that you're dealing with scheduling right now as far as establishing a series or, or you know, establishing a bye game? Well, we, we have, and I'm kind of glancing at the, the schedule here, we, we have games, FBS games, scheduled to 2031. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but to give you an example, in 2030, we're pretty much full other than one game. We need a FBS game at home. Uh, so um, we're, we're constantly working on scheduling and, you know, trying to find and put the best matchups uh, together that everybody would be interested in. You know, um, not this coming year, but the following year, you know, we're at NC State, Campbell at home, at Coastal Carolina, BYU at home. Uh, competitively, I'd say that's that's a pretty that's, competitive yeah. uh, non-conference schedule. 
Yeah, three regional uh, opponents obviously that are of interest. Games you can fans can get to, and then I mean BYU is you know uh, in, now in a conference, but a national brand. At least that's what they fancied themselves as, and uh, so that's a big that's a big deal. Would you say? Um, that Charlotte, it could be a piece that's used, or is that just kind of complicate the scheduling matter? In other words, you know, maybe a not a two for one, but a one 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 type of scenario because it, that is an attractive stadium. Uh, I'm sure for a lot of programs, and an attractive recruiting ground to, to play in. Or, or again, does that? You know, are we talking too many moving parts for that to be really an effective no, way to no. do it? No, not at all. We, we've actually floated Charlotte as a neutral site uh, venue for a couple of opponents that uh, probably will not come to Greenville uh, in the near future. Uh, but we've also proposed, you know, do, do we go play them in uh, Charlotte uh, where it's not uh, technically an ECU home game? Certainly we are open open to that to you know, try to put the best matchups that we can put together. Would you say that that is gaining some traction, that idea? Uh, we, we haven't had any takers yet. Uh, okay. we, we continue, to, <laughs> we continue to, to put that out there in, in the event. that That's a possibility. Um, as far as uh, the league in football, just the league in general, are you pretty satisfied with – uh, you know the the type the the level of competition that has been brought in. You know, I think in basketball there's some really good teams that have that have been brought in. Uh, you know, football there's UTSA is certainly fantastic, uh, and and we're kind of right there to the last weekend of the uh, last couple weekends of the uh, regular season. Uh, well, it'll be remain to be seen in some of these other sports, but but from just a competitive standpoint, are these new institutions that have joined the American? Do they belong in a sense? Well, well, I certainly think they do. Um, you know, uh, UTSA does come to mind. They, they uh, you know, had a successful inaugural season in the AAC. And, and look, everyone is investing at a high level. Uh, everyone is doing everything they can uh, to win. And I think that just will, uh, you know, continue to, to elevate the conference from a football standpoint. And, and it is important. Um you know, at the at the end of the season, we want to be the best football league we can be. Uh, certainly, from an exposure standpoint, it helps us, but it also helps us revenue-wise. That you know, this past year, Liberty played in the Fiesta Bowl. If, if that were an AAC team, as it's been the last several years, that's additional revenue that uh, we all benefit from when we participate in a bowl like that. John Gilbert, ECU Director of Athletics with us. Is there anything, John, that you want to make sure that we uh, mention to Pirate Nation before we let you go? You know, I, I think it's uh, the support that, that we have from, you know, our, our students, our fan base. Uh, we, we are very fortunate to, to have the type of support that we have. Uh, winning is important. Uh, we, we want to win on the field. Uh, we're, we're going to continue to do the things that we need to do to to be as competitive on the field as we can be, and and that is the expectation. We're uh, we, we certainly want to do all the the ancillary things that uh, are, are needed to be uh, a student athlete or a coach or a staff member here, but but winning is important, and and 
we continue to bang that drum. And one last thing, John, uh, the Pirate Uni- Pirates Unite campaign, as far as that fundraising effort, where is that now? Uh, as far as you know, indoor practice facility and just some of the projects that are f- affiliated with that. Yeah, uh, the, it's actually going really well. I'm very pleased with it. Our pirate club, uh, you know, Ryan Robinson and and his staff, they continue to do a great job of uh, you know generating revenue for those projects. Uh, I, I would say both baseball and football uh, are are you know getting closer to to coming to fruition. Uh, you know, we're probably five to six million short on uh, football, and we're probably, you know, two plus away, three million somewhere in that ballpark on baseball. So, uh, relatively close. We have a bunch of big ask out, and uh, I hope by the the end of the the school year uh, this spring, we're able to, you know, give some more direction on the timing and. Um, you know, construction uh, of of these athletic facilities. Hey, John, uh, really appreciate the time. Thank you so much, uh, and uh, we'll see you around uh, this spring for sure, and I uh, hope to have you back again soon. Thanks for having me. Go Pirates. All right, John Gilbert with us here. Uh, we'll have more of the Patrick Johnson Show right after this. Philip Pilkings here with your 94.3 The Game Pirate Report and Sports Flash Update. The USA Today Coaches Poll has been released for college baseball, and the Pirates come in at 12th. First pitch is just nine days away, and earlier this week when we spoke with Coach Godwin, he said expect to see Parker Bird get in that bat this spring. He's going to get in a bat this spring at some point in time. Um, I wish I could tell everybody exactly what game, what date, and all that stuff. I can't, so I guess you just have to come to all the home games. Last night, South Florida took sole possession of first place in the American Athletic Conference in men's hoops with their 72-69 defeat of the Charlotte 49ers. The Bulls have now won eight straight and are nine and one league play, a half a game ahead of the Owls of FAU. Last night, the Canes dropped their first game back after the All-Star break to Vancouver, but they will be back in action tomorrow when they host the Avs of Colorado. Defensive coordinator Jesse Minner will be following his former head coach and now still head coach Jim Harbaugh from Michigan to Los Angeles to be the new Chargers D.C. This will be his first NFL defensive coordinator job, however, spent time with the Ravens from 2016 to 2020 in various defensive roles. And college game day will have a new face this year as national championship head coach Nick Saban will join the crew with Desmond Howard, Pat McAfee, Lee Corso on the desk. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. On the other side of this timeout, we'll be back to wrap up the Patrick Johnson Show. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Okay, welcome back. Uh, thanks to Philip the Ref Pilkington there. Nice update a little bit ago. Thanks to John Gilbert being with us. You could imagine a lot of... Uh, Reaction to John Gilbert joining us uh, on the program, but uh, I think we covered a lot of ground there that uh, Pirate fans would want to know. Uh, we'll go through all of the uh, reaction and, uh, of course, uh, comb through it and look at it uh, and report on it to you tomorrow. Uh, we'll be uh, 
bringing you the show tomorrow at 5 o'clock with uh, Joe Sampson, as I mentioned, and then uh, Joe Ovius from the OG Podcast will be with us, uh, Terrence Copper later in the week. So we've got uh, quite a bit uh, of football on the brain with the uh, Super Bowl coming up the uh, next couple of days. Pilk, anything out of uh, the – the other than Joe Buck predicting something bad will happen with the uh, – with the Super Bowl being in Las Vegas, uh, is there anything that has happened that uh, is worthwhile? No, I don't think so. I did hear a weird <laughs> report that the game is supposed to be the first ever double overtime Super Bowl. That supposedly that script was released. You know, who oh. knows when it comes to that? So if it goes, so we've got a lot of scripted. yeah, we've got a we've got a lot of uh, what would you call it? Uh, Black helicopter type of people out there saying that uh, the whole thing's scripted. And then you've got uh, Joe Buck uh, as a doomsdayer in a sense. Uh, so a couple days ago, by the way, how about the, uh, you know, there's no pirate basketball till Saturday when the ECU travels to UTSA for a four o'clock tip and a three 30 airtime on 94, three, the game and 107.9 WNCT. Uh, Pilk, how about, um, really, how about, <laughs> The, the, uh, the South Florida Bulls, uh, first place right now by a half game in the win column, a full game in the win column in the, uh, in the American. Who would have had that? They beat Charlotte at home by three last night. So Charlotte now sits solely in third place. You obviously got Florida Atlantic, which is, uh, going to be a 20 win team easily. Uh, at eight and one, but, uh, South Florida at, uh, nine and one and, uh, 16 and five overall. They have won, uh, eight in a row. Florida Atlantic has won seven in a row. Was it, it was eight in a row for Charlotte going into the game last night, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, then you got SMU, UAB, both at six and three, Memphis, five and four, North Texas, and then Tulane, ECU, four and six, Tulsa, Rice, three and six. UTSA's two and seven, Wichita and Temple are both one and eight uh, in the American, but uh, they both lost to Temple and Wichita State close games this past weekend. Uh, so I mean, it is no, there's not an easy putt in the league at all. But uh, that South Florida team, I really liked their makeup. To be quite honest with you, I really liked kind of the way they they were and. Uh, I, you know, that's, they had, they have guard, they have guard play, they have a 6'10 guy. Now they don't have a ton of frontline depth, but they have a, you know, 6'10 guy that can also step out and do some things. They play very hard, they defend very well. And, uh, I think it's pretty amazing that you've, you've got, uh, South Florida in the first year head coach, Abdur Rahim is the uh, head coach. Uh, and there they are at the tops of the standings, at least right now going into February. Uh, five days into February, seven days, whatever it is. Um, pretty amazing. Really is pretty amazing. Um, obviously North Carolina losing last night. That was interesting. They've now dropped two or three of the Tar Heels. They were up for the Duke game. Didn't seem like they were necessarily up last night at home for Clemson. Clemson came out, jumped out 15 to two. And the Tigers, you know, you got to give Brad Brownell credit. Uh, He's got a good roster this year. They've had some tough luck losses. Brad just kind of want to co- just wants to coach ball. I don't know if he's all interested in you know, how much recruiting and all that he's interested in. And, uh, you know, they, they do some stuff at the portal, but the thing that I thought was interesting was they had an answer every time UNC made a run at him late last night. 
And this is a, uh, a Clemson team that needed a win. They got off to a really good start, but they needed a quality win. And this is a quality win that should help them on selection Sunday. Uh, you know, before last night's loss, Joe, uh, for Charlotte, Joe Lenardi had two in the American. He had Memphis. It's Memphis in his uh, first four out or next four out. He had dropped Memphis to his next four out after Wake, Colorado, Cincinnati, St. John's. Now, this is from a couple of days ago. This is where I got the fifth. Then you got Oregon, Providence, Villanova, and then Memphis in Lenardi's first four out. By the way, Jerry Palm, who does the same thing for CBS Sports, is supposed to be with us next Tuesday. So I'm looking forward to, to having Jerry on. Last four in are Florida, Butler, Washington, and Seton Hall. Uh, last four buys, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, and Georgia. Although I, th- I expect, uh, or uh, Virginia, I expect Virginia's stock to rise dramatically. I think Virginia's got a, a real shot to win the uh, ACC. They don't have that tough of a schedule. They get the heels in Charlottesville. They do have to go to Durham to play Duke, but they only have to play both Duke and UNC once. So that's pretty favorable. So before the loss last night, uh, Lenardi had Charlotte in as an AQ and then at Florida Atlantic. Um, so that, that just tells you right there, if it is Charlotte or if it is South Florida, it, it you know, it's, it's going to be FAU and that other team. Memphis, even though they had a great start, has not done enough in conference. So the, I almost think Memphis would have to at this point get to the conference championship game. Where have we heard this? story before with Memphis. It's it's kind of the story of, of the Memphis Tigers that that would be the case. Despite all that talent, they're always living on the edge come Selection Sunday. They are. The Didn't way. get in one year, won the NIT, got in last year, probably a little more. Well, they got in as the AQ last year, so that was and they beat Houston, so that would have was a pretty vigorous statement. But before that, they were they were right there on the bubble again. Probably on the good side of the bubble, but still on the bubble. You're going to say, Pilk? Yeah, no, I agree with everything Memphis is saying. But it's weird that he doesn't have South Florida in this thing right now. You know, this is a team who's beat Florida. State. Well, they were they were they were around two hundred in the net. I don't know where they are now, but it, it, wow, they, they didn't play a great non conference. They didn't play a great non conference no, schedule. Their non conference schedule was pretty Florida rotten. State, who's I think was actually ranked at the time. But I don't think yeah. the state's that good. Could be interesting though. The Mountain West is going to steal some bids too, though. Mountain West is going to be like a four or five bid league this year. They're good. Is it? Let's see what Lenardi's got for the Mountain West. Yeah, he's got five. Yeah, Nevada. got more in the ACC at this point. He's got yeah. four in the ACC. Colorado now Lenardi the other day. He's good. Yeah. Say, say again, Pilk. I said Boise's good, Colorado State's good, New Mexico, mm. Nevada. They, they're pretty stacked. Uh, the other day, Lenardi had Clemson in, so i got to think that they're in now based on what Lenardi's thinking, be, uh, beating UNC. So it's you know Virginia, Duke, Carolina, Clemson. It's probably right. Hey, uh, thanks to John Gilbert for being on with us today. Thanks to Philip the Ref Pilkington. Great job as uh, always. Uh, we'll be back in the morning on Talk of the Town on Talk 103.7 and Talk 96.3, IBX Media app. Back here tomorrow at 5 o'clock, live on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game and the IBX Media app, joined by Joe Sampson and Joe Ovius of the OG Podcast. Looking forward to it all tomorrow. So we'll uh, greet you then. Have a great rest of your evening, everybody. Hey, are you ready for the big game?